Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Have you guys ever been like on a flight, you know, you planned your trip and you, you're ready to go, you get to the airport and you're, you're ready to, to take the trip, whether it's a business trip or it's a, it's a, a trip that you're gonna go on vacation and, and something happens and suddenly there's a problem with the plane. You ever had that? Does that make you so mad? Amy and I just had this experience a few weeks ago. We were going on this little trip together and we got in the plane, all the way in the plane. Everybody's ready to go. They're, they've, you know, they've done the whole thing and and then they, and then they, you know, you, you keep your mask on, all that stuff. And we start pulling back from the gate. So we're like, oh, this is gonna be great. This is gonna be a great trip. And then the captain, we sit there for a few minutes. I'm like, oh, this isn't normal. Captain finally comes on and says, oh, folks, we're sorry. We uh, have some issues with the engine. And uh, he actually said there were sparks that came out of the engine. <laughs> and the ground crew saw it. We're going to have to go in and get it checked out. I was like, you could feel the energy in the plane just starting to amp up. So we pulled back in. We sit there for many more minutes. I don't remember how many it was, but it was quite a long time. And then finally he comes on and he actually says this, like I think he was trying to convince us to get off the plane. Like there's a hole blown in the engine uh, that we didn't know (laughs) just happened. And he actually said those words over the speaker. It's like, okay, we'll get off the plane. So we get off the plane and so what's, what's gonna happen now, right? This is near the, uh, in the afternoon, it's the end of the day, what's gonna happen now? Oh, everybody's gotta find another flight. There, can we find another plane? Will they find another plane? How's everybody gonna get to where they were gonna go? All their connecting flights, our connecting flight, we were gonna miss it. This whole thing starts and we start in long lines at the airport. I don't know about you, but when that kind of thing happens, I look around And as a pastor, a lot of times I'm used to people being bent out of shape. (laughs) And I see these people behind their little computer. Little computer, big computer usually. Giant computer, you never get to see what's on there. And they start to work on it. And they're like trying to rebook people and it's amazing how people treat those flight attendants that are just trying to deal with the facts as they are. And these people, so mad, so angry, so irritated, it, like, like they come up and they're like, well, can't I, blah, 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 blah. well, what about this? Well, I was supposed to be at this one. And I'm sorry, sir, we're just doing the best we can. What is wrong with people? The way we want to control everything. 
people get so mad. And listen, over many years, over many years of travel, I used to travel a lot more, and I, I, it's an amazing, you start to learn the systems, and you realize that that little person behind that little big screen, they have a lot of power. <laughs> you treat them well, they can get stuff done. You treat them poorly, they can make you the second to last person on the plane or the second to last person who was going to get on the plane. And there's a thing that I just, I always, I always realize that when that person who's just doing their job, if you can bring a little sunshine into their life in this moment, if you can look around and be the calm person, the person who's not all amped up on your control or what you need to have happen. And I realize that missing a flight and missing connecting flights and trying to get where you're trying to go messes with your plans. And it forces you into some kind of control mode when in reality, there's, here's the truth. You ain't controlling this baby. It's, you're not gonna be, you, can't, you have no control. You have zero control. The only way you might maybe possibly get something to happen is if you're kind. Or if you have status. Okay, just, just to be honest, if you have mileage status and you travel a lot, you're gonna get what you need done. But all the rest of you are like cattle unless you can be nice. <laughs> We've been in this series called the Beatitudes and today we're looking at verse five in this list of blessings. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Pretty powerful statement. I looked up the def dictionary definition of meek. Here it is. Quiet, gentle, and easily imposed on. Submissive. What? Oxford Dictionary says this. Quiet, gentle, and always ready to do what others want without expressing your own opinion. This is the most un-American thing I've heard all week. <laughs> like, this, like, this is not even meek. We don't even use that word anymore, do we? Like, what is that word? This doesn't make any sense. Meekness, inheriting the earth. Brother, you can't get anything done with meekness. You're like, pastor, I work hard during the week. You can't get anything done with meekness. It sounds so opposite, so foreign to our ears. The American ethic is much stronger. Uh, make it happen, take charge, control the narrative. It could be said that the desire to control is the opposite of meekness. We tend to think that meekness is weakness, that weak people don't get anything done, but meekness Meekness doesn't seem to be the way the world works, and we've got to meet strength with strength. And this is difficult because as Jesus is outlining these blessings, he's talking about an upside-down kingdom, or as N.T. Wright, the great theologian, says, a right-way-up kingdom for the people of God. A way that the world was supposed to work and no longer does. A way that the Garden of Eden was designed, but now we have this top-down system. 
And he, Jesus is coming and he's, he's ushering in a new era and that new era is something that is upside down according to the way the world thinks and the way the world works. And Jesus says, if you are meek, you can be happy. You can be favored. You are blessed because you're the one who's gonna inherit the earth in the kingdom that's coming. You don't believe me, do you? <laughs> I can see it, you're like, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying there, Pastor Ross. Think about this for a moment. Inheriting the earth, do you know what inheritance happens when a person receives something even though they did not earn it or work for it? An inheritance is a gift, a legacy, an, a right that is received even though it's not earned. It's not been earned. Instead of, because of the identity of the person, now go with me, the identity of the person is the reason they've received it. Their identity and the relationship that they have with the person who is deceased. Jesus is saying something here. I love how Eugene Peterson says it in the Message Bible. He says, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Such a great phrase. Meekness means you know how to submit to God's identity for you. When you embrace who God made you to be, your authentic self, empowered by God's spirit, there's no limit to what you can do to collaborate with him. Yes, that means even get on a plane because you were kind. Or it means you sat in the airport for several more hours working on the patience that God is working in you with. <laughs> in God's kingdom, both are of value. Because, because there's an upside down kingdom that Jesus is ushering in. And I think meekness, in a way, this little idea kind of underscores what all these blessings are really about. It's an upside down way to think about life. But it's a way to think about life in the kingdom of God that changes things here and ushers in a kingdom that is coming that will change everything and bring a new heaven and a new earth. You know, that's what we're living for. We're living for what is to come and what is here now. And you can choose to participate in the kingdom of God that is coming, that is revealing Jesus to people, or you can be angry and upset and grumpy all the time and try to force people to do what you want them to do. Verse seven, we're gonna move on here because I wanna talk about mercy today because verse seven says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. I think meekness and mercy are related somehow. There's, a, there's a, a way that God functions that he's inviting us into that keeps our heart healthy and creates blessing for the rest of the world. And I want you to go with me on this little journey about mercy because mercy, here's a definition of mercy, compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy, or other person when it's in one's power to punish. The way I like to say it is mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. Not the same as grace, right? Like grace is getting what you don't deserve, favor. You don't deserve 
the blessing that God is giving, but he blesses you anyway. As you turn to him, as we look to him, mercy is something he gives us that <clears throat> when, when we receive mercy, we deserve punishment. We, des- we don't deserve this, this, this mercy that he gives us. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. No one gives anybody mercy anymore. Have you noticed this? Nobody gives anybody mercy anymore. Everyone's just so mean, so rude, so judgmental. What everyone, everyone wants everybody else to get exactly what they deserve. Have you noticed this? That's what cancel culture is all about. We live in an age of perpetual offense. Like I'm offended and I'm gonna go ahead and post about it. God, we're offended about everything. Quick to condemn, constant criticizing, judging and canceling. We live in a world where you're one and done. There's no room for people to make mistakes. We pronounce judgment without any consideration or compassion. We've become, here's the problem, we've become great judges of others' sins, but great lawyers of our own. Great judges of others' sins, but great lawyers of our own. We explain our own away. We defend ourselves. So Jesus comes along and says, not only is it important you show mercy, but you'll be happy. There will be favor that rests on you. You'll be fortunate when you start to function in this way of the kingdom. You'll be shown mercy even when you might not deserve it. Listen, one chapel, this is the one that the church really needs to get right. We've got to get this right. And the way we function and the way we interact with people, this is the kingdom concept that is so significant in our day and can be the mark of something different. Because the kingdom of God comes to those who need mercy. That's where the kingdom is going to those who need mercy. And Jesus says there'll be a unique blessing to those who are merciful. Those who are submitted, meekness, submitted, willing to receive what Jesus himself is offering. In the age of judgmentalism and cancel culture, how do we restore this lost art of mercy? Okay, well, we gotta remind ourselves of how merciful God is to us. By the way, that's what we do here on Sunday mornings. That's what you do when you gather in a small group. That's what you do when you sign up to serve somebody who's coming to church or, or, or some children in a, in a classroom. You are expressing this service, this love, yes, even mercy. Remind ourselves of how merciful God is to us. That's what we've done here this morning in worship. There's a reason why forgiveness is central to the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer here in in Matthew 6, and as he's going through it, he spends a bit of time on forgiveness. Matthew 6, 12, he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Giving forgiveness and receiving forgiveness, they're inextricably linked. You can't pull them apart. They work together. Jesus uses an interesting word here when he says forgive us our debts. The word debt, it's only used two times in scripture. It's a loan justly due that you cannot pay. It's so big, it's like bankruptcy. It's like overwhelming, I I can't do it. This is not like the debts that you and I have where we're working to pay it off. Okay, that's not what Jesus is talking about. You're working hard with your earnings and you're paying off a debt. Jesus used the word like bankruptcy. You can't pay it. You can't earn enough, it has to be forgiven. 
It was a debt we could not pay. Here's the problem. If we think we can earn God's forgiveness, if we think we can earn God's forgiveness, we'll make others earn our forgiveness. If you truly believe you're forgiven the bankruptcy of sin you couldn't pay, you'll treat others the same way. If we don't know how to forgive, if we don't know how to forgive people, maybe we've never experienced the gospel. That's, that's really sad, right? This is the nature of the gospel. This is the nature of the good news. We can't re- freely receive because we aren't willing to freely give and it works the other way too. We aren't able to freely give because we haven't really received it. Here's the truth. The forgiven forgive. The forgiven forgive. The second thing we can do is we can remember that we all face God one day. So one's for here and one's for eternity. <laughs> We're all gonna stand before the judge. And here's, and here's the thing. If you believe there's a judge, then you don't have to be one. If you believe there's a judge and he's gonna judge everything in the world that's happened to you and everybody else, then you can have mercy on people. But if you don't think there's a judge, you gotta exact revenge. You gotta make it happen here. Why be merciful? The answer is in the beatitude. For they will be shown mercy. If you're merciful, you'll be shown mercy. Right after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives this commentary on forgiveness. It's the only idea in the Lord's Prayer that he expands upon. In verse 14 and 15, he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whoa, that's pretty serious. Which is why there's a, really valuable scripture that I want to open up. It's in Matthew 18, and I want you to go there with me. Jesus tells this parable. It's a story about someone described as the unmerciful servant. And he tells this story after Peter asks this question, and and Peter's line of questioning is about forgiveness and about showing mercy, and he says, okay, Lord, how many times should I forgive somebody? And he's like thinking as he's saying it, you know, he's like, how many times, like, seven like maybe like seven times like that would be a lot of forgiveness like should I go like all the way to seven because that seems like too much Lord I mean it really does it just seems like if I have to go to seven times I'm not even sure I should do it then that's what Peter's thinking in his head like seven times and Jesus some of you know the answer some of you know Jesus responds to Peter with this question he says no I want you to forgive 70 times seven, 490 times a day. Uh, Jesus, I don't think you understand the brokenness of this world. You'd have to forgive every three minutes to do that. You understand Jesus' point. He He didn't say 490. Keep a record. He didn't say that. His point was our forgiveness is to be inexhaustible, just like God is towards us. Hey, hey, just like God is towards us. Just like God is towards, some of you need to hear that today. Just like God is toward you. Because that is his disposition. Jesus is telling this story to help us understand what the kingdom looks like. 
why it's okay to be meek, because you know the creator of all things. You know the one who made the earth, so he will let you inherit the earth. If, you're, if, you're, if you see meekness as weakness, and you think you gotta be strong all the time, you go a different way. But if you know the one who is your strength, the one who is your power and creator of all things, the one who dwells in you, and you can do anything, as Paul said, because of the one who gives you strength, you can be meek. Doesn't mean you're lazy, doesn't mean you don't get things done. It means you have a disposition that changes the way you treat people. It's a kingdom disposition, a way to think about life around us and what we're all living for. Jesus tells this story, Matthew 18, we'll pick it up in verse 23, it says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. I was reading about this. That's like a 20-year span of a daily wage earner. Okay, 20-year, uh, how much money you, a daily wage earner would earn, just your average kind of person who's working, that's 20 years of work. Verse 25 says, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Not much compared to 20 years of earnings. And he said, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. Pay back what you owe me and I'll pay it. And, and, and the guy, he demanded it and his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But what did he do? Instead of taking pity on him as his master had done, the scripture says in verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, here's what I love about this story. We think that the stuff we do happens in isolation. We think what, the things we do and the stuff we impose, and it happens in a vacuum. It never does. There's always people watching. There's always people who find out. There really is no such thing as a secret in the kingdom of God because what Jesus says is all things will be revealed. It's a principle that people don't get, so they try to hide stuff, and it always comes out. Always. Turn to your neighbor and say always. Always. Don't try to hide secrets. Act in a way that you're never going to be ashamed of other people to find out. Verse 31, it says, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. So here's some other servants, and they see it, and they saw and were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Verse 32, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. You got down on your knees right here. Do you remember what you said? You said, be patient with me. I'll pay it back. I pro Do you remember that? Yes. And what happened when, I, when you did that? I had mercy on you. 
Verse 33, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? It's funny, the expectation in Jesus' story is that we'll always be willing to pay it forward. The expectation is always that what, what happens to you, you should let it, you should allow it to be poured out into someone else. Verse 34 says, in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's heavy. It sounds um, really meaningful. Like Jesus is, like his, his theme is love, right? So this, this feels a little bit like outside of that. And what Jesus is saying is, my love is so big, my Father's love is so merciful, so gentle, so kind, so undeserved that you could receive it. And now I want you to live that out with others. Now, the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the problem with this story. Here's the, learn, the lesson, the thing Jesus is trying to get us all to learn. This guy acted like he wasn't forgiven. He didn't realize that he had been forgiven a huge sum. He was still functioning under the idea that he had to get more money that he had to get more stuff. He had this huge debt that was crushing him and it was weighting him down and he acted like that burden was still living on him. Which is exactly like some of you. All of us, from time to time. We act like we have this crushing thing that we'll never be free of. Whether that's sin or whether it's your finances or whether it's some foolish mistakes you've made. You know, Jesus has a way of dealing with all of those things. Jesus is the one who said his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Like this is the gospel we preach. And yet, sometimes we function as if we've never heard it. And so we don't offer this kind of mercy to others because we're so consumed with trying to get what we need. And yet you serve the God who has everything and is willing to offer everything he has to you. Some of you are looking at me like, well, I wish you'd give me some of that money because, you know, I'm just, I'm just doing my best, Pastor Ross, to work, you know, I'm just making it. Listen, I understand that. All of us feel the pinch, the struggle, the, the weight sometimes. But Jesus is teaching something here. This guy still acted like he was in debt. No inheritance. He was orphaned in his head. He didn't have a loving father. His master had forgiven him of all this stuff. And yet he felt impoverished. The weight was lifted and yet he still functioned under it. Here's the lesson. The lesson is mercy. Here's what mercy is all about. Mercy is our inspiration our impulse as God's people and our incentive for life. Like the future, the future kingdom that is coming that we keep trying to establish here 
as an outpost. Jesus is coming back and a new heaven and a new earth are going to be established and we are just doing our best to get to the place where we can receive it, right? But here's what Jesus wants. He wants you not just to receive it. He wants you to establish it. And that means functioning like he's forgiven you. Like he's been, like he's been merciful with you. And he wants you to show people that same kind of mercy. C.S. Lewis, he says it brilliantly. He says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. Let's make it our goal to go out in the world and forgive. What do you say? What do you say? So, if you're gonna be merciful, who do you have to be merciful? There's, there's three kinds of people. There's people who make mistakes. You gotta be merciful to the people who make mistakes around you. All my kids, I got five kids, they all know that I'm not very merciful with mistakes. I'm an Enneagram one. Thank you, Ethan, appreciate that. <laughs> it's the only time you said amen during the whole thing, so. <laughs> See what I just did there? I pointed out his flaw. It's something I've worked on all my life, a little perfectionistic streak. I see it, I see all this, I see what's wrong. I, I zero in on it to fix it, right? It's like my gift. <laughs> we have to be the kind of people that don't get all bent out of shape when other people make mistakes. To be fair, every person knows that mistakes are how you learn. Failure is just when you stop trying. Those who make mistakes. James 2, 3, 13 says mercy triumphs over judgment. And then the second group of people, to those who let us down. This is harder. You gotta be merciful to those who let you down. And this is harder because they hurt you, they wrong you. They do something they shouldn't have done. All of us understand this. All of us have seen this. All of us have experienced that. this. When... We think we've been mistreated. When something has happened to us, we have two options. We can either get mad or give mercy. Get mad or give mercy. I promise you, getting mad doesn't work. Remember? Yes, sir, I'm doing the best I can. It doesn't work. Give mercy instead. Third, we gotta, we gotta be the merciful to those who are far from God. You know that, you know that <laughs> we are the people that can make the kingdom of God look enticing to others. You realize that you carry around the solution to mankind's problems and sins and failures and foolishness. You carry it around and if you keep it too much for yourself and you don't pour it out, you don't let it out. They can never discover it. Mercy is one way you pour it out and you just, you just those who are far from God, we never, we never treat them like they are second class people. We never treat them like we're the judge and we're looking down our nose at them. We never treat them like that. God doesn't treat them that way. He sent his son to die for them. <laughs> Like, we, we embrace those people. Like, we put our hands around them and say, it's okay. 
Listen, it, I, let me show you. This is hard and it's painful. I know you're going through this and that's why you're acting this way, but let me, let me show you a better way. Let me encourage you. I was just like you, right? Like, ah, listen, we're getting ready to do Easter Sunday service. It's like the, you know, it's like the church Super Bowl. <laughs> it's like people come to church who haven't been in forever. You should think about who those people are in your sphere and pray about inviting them. Because this is your moment this is your moment to show mercy, maybe on someone who you're sideways with. Maybe this is a, a moment where you're gonna invite a family member to go to church with you, not because you're so judgmental. Now, some of you are gonna have to do some work before you get them to come to church. <laughs> maybe next Easter for them. But listen, this is who we are as one chapel. We let people belong before they ever become who God wants them to be. And most of you are grateful for that. Here's what, some of you got that, you'll get it at lunch if you didn't. Listen, listen here, here's what Jesus did. Jesus connected before he corrected. Jesus connected before he corrected. And then there's the last person, last person that you need to forgive. Last person that you need to show mercy to. You need to let mercy pour out of yourself. You know who it is? It's you. All the studies show that we hold ourselves to a standard we can't reach. Our self-talk, our failures that nobody else knows about. You gotta start by letting mercy permeate your soul. God is merciful with you. What does the scripture say? His kindness leads us to repentance. Maybe you could give yourself a little kindness. Maybe you could respond to God's mercy by being merciful to yourself and let it pour out into others. I wanna pray with you today and I want us to just worship for a moment and I want you to let what God is doing in us today really sink in and I want you to ask this question okay God show me your mercy <laughs>